This week on the reverse stick, it's getting closer, folks. We're allowed to make a tackle this week. There's more Matt's mystery file, and we get struck by lightning. And greetings, welcome once again to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. My name is John Lee. I am joined by Mr. Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? Greetings. Good, good. It's actually been a busy hockey week. And you know what show this is, John? One, four, seven. Is huh? it? Give us a break. What? Snoop, oh, Snoop, one, four, Snoop, seven. Snoop, Snoop, Snoop. Ah. We haven't okay. done one of those for a while. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be on target in this podcast. That's not really, that's not a snooker term, though. We'll pot it? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, pot it's the yellow and screw the black for the yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black. Snooker, loopy, nuts are we. You, you know that one? No. I don't know that one. Chaz and Dave and the, the matchroom crew? No, that's an English thing, mate. No, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, no, I can't say that they were in my zone of influence as a youngster. Check it out on YouTube, kids. Snooker, okay. Look, let's talk hockey because we're nearly back. We are, we are, you're getting a bit excited about the contact training. I might have some bad news for you in a couple of hours, but, uh, it, oh, don't it, do that it, to it, us. it's supposed to be allowed in, uh, in Western Australia from Saturday the 6th of June. We're recording early this week. I had a few people get in touch saying, uh, call yourself a weekly hockey podcast. It's been eight days between shows. So hey, wait a sec. We're going to be within what? Within six days. There so it's go. two and a fortnight divided up. It's weekly again. Yeah. We're, we're sticking by weekly. That's our answer yeah. anyway. Two uh, and eight. Yeah, so you, one week. <laughs> Actually, it's two now we've done that. Yeah. Potentially getting back on to full contact training. There wasn't some non-contact training last week. Um, so, fingers crossed that we get some kind of government and state government and local council. Well, I'm hoping oh, that tomorrow yeah, in the next I'll be able hours. to have a game. I'm hoping tomorrow oh. I'll be out there having a game. Won't be at a great pace. It won't be much skill involved, but... You know. no, no, nothing new there. No. Um, yeah, fingers crossed for you, mate. I'm not, I'm not registered yet, you see, so I, I can go down and coach and take. Have you not take, signed up as a hockey player take, yet, mate? Take, well, I don't know what to become a member of. That's you know, that's the oh, thing. Well, there's so yeah, many you've options. You've got to spend your money wisely. News. Yeah. Yes, there is some news this week out of the FIH, Matt. Yes, there is. Yeah, the 2022-23 FIH Hockey World Cup qualification process has been. Reviewed. And uh, announced, and announced. June 2nd, 2020, from Lausanne in Switzerland, following the postponement of the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020 to next year, and therefore Hockey Continental Championships having to be rescheduled, the FIH Executive Board, after consultation with the Continental Federations and the FIH Athletes Committee, has reviewed the qualification process for the 2022-23 FIH Hockey World Cups. The new FIH Hockey World Cup qualification process includes an increase of the quota of places available through continental championships from six, the five continental champions and the World Cup hosts, to 11, including the World Cup hosts. These continental quotas will be filled based on the final rankings at the relevant 2021 continental championship. The organisation of FIH qualification events in March of 2022 for the remaining five places for those events, the continental quotas will be confirmed at a later stage. Well, hmm. the, what, 
What the is- allocation of continental quotas from the 2021 Continental Championships plus the World Cup hosts has been determined as follows. So there would be 16 teams normally. 11 of them will be coming out of uh, the continental allocation as follows. Now, for the women, Africa will receive one place. For Asia, two places. So first and second place in the Asian continental... Game final. Yeah, yeah, the final, so I would assume. Uh, Europe will get four places, bearing in mind that the uh, Netherlands and Spain are co-hosting the Women's World Cup in 2022. Sorry, not Asian Games, because that's the same. Oh, yeah, it's the Asian... Whatever, yeah. Um, So... That's two of those places. Asia Cup. And two of those places uh, from from Europe are yep. taken up by the hosts. So if they weren't hosting the World Cup, they'd only have two places. Yeah, and so another place would then go into that that group of five. Uh, no. Who'd get that? I don't know. We're not worried about that. Um, Oceania get two places. Guaranteed now. That's... And Pan Am get two places. In the women's comp, yes, they do. So... Um, that's how it's going to work out for the, the 11 sides to go to the World Cup. And then five. For to, women. And then five to go into a Hockey World League system, maybe, or something similar to that. Well, now, Africa in the Men's World Cup, uh, Africa will get one place. Pan Am will get one place. Yeah, well, Pan Am lose a spot to Asia. Well, Asia gets three, including the host India. Yeah. Europe gets four. Mm-hmm. And Oceania gets two. So um, you'd think Australia and New Zealand are going to go but through in both of those. But it's, just, it's, a, it's a guarantee, isn't it? It pretty much is. I can't yeah. see. I'm getting it. So anyway, um, that's how it's going to work for those 11 continental. So you're basically getting at least the first two places, except if you happen to live in Africa or um, Pan Am. For yeah, the which, which again, I think for for Africa, it's it's a disgrace, really. I think we need to op- <sighs> we need to open it up more there. If, 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 you know, the opportunities, if, if Oceania can have two spots, and well, I know it's, there's been some good lobbying going on behalf of um, certain, certain federations, but yeah, it's, I've, I'm I, surprised I, just, I feel for Africa with it, I really do. got three spots for um, Oceania, considering, you know, some of the appointments that have been made. Oh, yeah, well, Fiji, <laughs> Fiji and uh, the head of Fiji hockey, very influential on the IOC. I would have, I would have thought we could have Big fan of hockey. three. Um, look, my Africa. See, there are still five places available. That, um, once again, though, this this is another FIH. Oh, we'll, we'll do this and figure it out later. The, you know, the organisation of the FIH qualification event, events for the remaining five places uh, will be confirmed at a later stage. Uh, uh, so, what, how are you going to work that? Is that going to be like the hockey series, or is it? Gonna, anyway, they're, they're waiting till later on. They'll figure it out later. Um, why? Why? So, al- why always this? Why not make a bloody an announcement and and stick to it and have a bit of vision of this is how we're going to do it? Oh, oh, it's a bit hard. We'll have to have another meeting about that one and see what everybody thinks about it. Well, I think it says the organisation. Maybe they know what they're doing, but they don't know how it's going to be organised yet because of it's still a long well, no, way off. So you off give, and... well, you, but you give what the process is going to be, don't you? You say this is going to be the format. We obviously can't announce dates or hosts or anything at this stage, but this is the format that that we're going to look at. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, bit disappointed for Africa, but there are those five. You know, if if someone, what happens if Egypt beats South Africa? A South African no hope of getting through a, a another qualification tournament to get there. I would have thought that if they were good enough, they would. Yeah, 
So at, at some stage, you're going to end up with some sort of tournament each time you have qualifier where those teams that might miss out because they didn't win the Continental Championship have another crack. And if you're good enough, you win and you get there. But is that pretty basic? Yeah, yeah but you, you're potentially looking at, in the women, having five or six European participants so there with it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Irish women, for example, they, they, they miss out and don't, don't finish in those top two spots. No, but would it be top? Yeah, top two spots. Um, yeah, and what, what if then Holland and Spain well, filled, the, the, filled the, up three and four in a, so does it, is it dropping on down or are those spots going back well, into think, the pool um, for the, for the qualifiers? You'd think the Netherlands, That's that, it. that will drop. So if you finished second in the, of, say third, in the Euro yeah, yeah. Women's, and the Netherlands finished first, I'd imagine that you'd get their spot, but that's because not, they're already hosting. But that's not normally the way the FIH does these things, is it? Those spots then go back into into the Well, pools. that's not the FIH's decision. That's the European Hockey's decision. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is, because often for tournaments, FIH will say, this is how it is, like the Olympic qualifier. If that isn't met, then that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that the next team town then, then qualifies. It goes back into the pool and whatever other convoluted system is in place to grade sides. Anyway, we know what's going on there, at least to a certain... We know there's an event coming up. We know which continents are getting what. Um, yeah. Good. Can't wait. It'll be good to get back out playing hockey, man. Well, that's right. You are listening to Matt Allen, the John Re- Lee Global Hockey Podcast. Um, Sultan of Johor Cup cancelled. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one's gone for this year. Another tournament bites the dust. I, I must admit, I think it's a bit, you know, it's a bit sad that it's not going to be there. Uh, but the more and more things that get cancelled, it's just like, oh, that's all right. I'm not, I'm not, like, no longer concerned necessarily about the future of things. It's just everything's getting cancelled and it'll all come back next year or maybe the year after. Well, it could well be, John, that one of your over 50s games are the, one of the first, uh, um, highlights of hockey to be aired globally, a live stream. Maybe you're opening well, around. What? Well, your opening round at the end of the month when that starts 26th of June. Well, I doubt we'll have seen any live-streamed hockey any in the, anywhere in the world. Perhaps I should get down there and live-stream it. Could get some big pay-per-view crowds in on that. Oh, and do you know a platform we could put it up on um, to monetize those crowds? Uh, you, you uh, no. Um, my, 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 my. No. Uh, maybe Nagra. That's Nagra. ready. That's ready to go. Should we have a chat about Nagra? Why not? Because we did mention it last week. Uh, did we rub it on too much? I can't yeah, remember. But we did it about an hour and twenty minutes. Okay, so we might have rubbed it on about it last week. But just some. There was an interesting story came out on June the first. Which article have you got there? I've got the one sports, by sportsvideo.org. Ken yeah, Kirsch- Ken Kirschbaumer. Yeah. The editorial director. Inside the International Federation of Hockey's decision to tap NAGRA for OTT, comma, digital offerings. Um, now, just, look, just the first paragraph, Matt. <laughs> just the first paragraph. In fact, it's only, only the first sentence. The International Federation of Hockey, the FIH, has two billion fans globally. And Thierry Vale, FIH CEO, based the same challenge anyone with 2 billion fans and 30 million active participants has. 
How can you understand them better and start to build a relationship? Well, the actual quote from Thierry goes, Streaming live games is about more than just streaming. You have to get in contact with fans better to understand them. We know the individual clubs, but with two billion fans, it would be great just to know half of them. (laughs) I hope he was laughing after he said that anyway. Oh, it's pretty funny. Okay, folks. Two billion fans and 30 million active participants. I'm calling bullshit. (laughs) I'm calling bullshit on that. It's good to dream, though. Hockey dreams. Dream big. Dreams do feature a fair bit in FIH branding. I am going to say this again, Matt. I've said this a few times on the podcast, and I'm going to say it again. The global game. Played in 137 countries with, quote, 2 billion fans and 30 million active participants. Made how much last year in TV rights? No, sorry, I don't have the figures. Where's our financials? You've got a lot of paper around you. Oh, look, I've got the financials in my file. I'll have to dig that out when we have one of our exhausting ad breaks. Um, Okay. We live here in Australia with a population of 25,499,884 or thereabouts. In, in February 2019, the AFL claimed to have 649,178 participants. So, well, well, according to this, this, this um, article as well, that the FIH has leagues in 137 countries. Yeah. So in our country, we have 649... Sorry, 1,649,178 participants. That's people playing the game. Uh, There are apparently 30 million TV viewers worldwide in 72 countries. That's from a different stat, is it? That's for the AFL. Right. That's a... Okay. The NRL... That's, has, that's rugby league here in Australia. Rugby league yeah. has thirty six thousand nine hundred registered players play NRL. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they have eighty eight million viewers across the season, but that's not unique individuals. No, that's eighty eight million views. views. Okay, now hear this bit. The AFL is currently in the middle of a broadcast rights deal that ends in twenty twenty two. Foxtel pay 1.3 billion, Channel 7 pay 900 million, and Telstra pay 300 million, a total of 2.5 billion dollars. Australian dollars. Australian dollars. Uh, 60 million of that is contra from Channel 7. Just 60 million in contra. Right. Okay. Plus, they pay an extra 417 million dollars in other odds and sods through the rest of them. Uh, Fox Channel, Channel 7 and Telstra. Now, um, that's about, what, three, $4 billion, $3 billion. Now, that rights deal is going through to the end of 2022. The NRL has just signed a new deal that will run from 2022 until 2027. It's $1.8 billion minus the international rights and radio. Okay? Yep. Bear that in mind when Thierry Whale talks about 2 billion fans and 30 million active participants. Complete 
bullshit. Well, if, if, if those figures are true and there is any kind of engagement level with those fans, every single international hockey player should be on a $150,000 a year contract minimum being paid out of the central organisation. We can barely Ooh. pay th- 33 employees, can we? It's... It, it, when you look at what's able to have been achieved by some sports, and then you look, and the, here the client, mate, if we had 30 billion, of 30 million participants, participants, it would be headline news everywhere. Well, go and ask every stick manufacturer how many they sell each year. That's a good idea. Yes. Yeah, and, and not giveaways. Um, but we're talking about a population of 25 and a half million people essentially generates, you know, a, over a billion dollars a year in television rights. Yeah, it's incredible. It is incredible. A rugby league, 36,000 players. Well, that's why it's so good to have Sultana on, Sultana Brown on board, John, with the Hockey One competition here. Oh, yeah. Now, I understand what they talk about here when they, they say, oh, we're trying to tap into that and tap into it. But if those were the real numbers, you wouldn't have to tap into it, mate. But if I was somebody like Nagra... It would be there. Yeah, if I was somebody like Nagra and, and uh, whether, I, whether I was approaching or I was approached, I'd be buoyed by those numbers as an opportunity to deliver something and, and can control all that information. Um, it sounds good. But there is a reality to it all, and we've talked about it since show number one. This is hockey, and we don't even engage with that 30 million playing base there. Now, putting things behind, potentially behind paywalls and limiting the distribution, apart from via an OTT like this, ain't going to grow that wider market. It ain't going to. It ain't going to. Certainly, ain't going to hit the two billion, um, and it's not going to hit anybody outside of the. It's all about definition, isn't it? Who's with it? Who's included within that two billion? Is it somebody that sits down for five minutes on their couch when the Olympic hockey finals on once every four years and goes, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, what's oh, the score?" And, and, the and then walk thing, out the room again. It, it, the worst thing is it'll take into account those the dodgiest health social media interactions. All we know about it, somebody scrolls past your page and the, the video starts showing, and, and you know, oh, bugger this and or whatever. You're doing something. You're scrolling through your Facebook feed. You look to your left, and it's stopped on that video, and the video plays, and you keep scrolling, and you right. haven't even seen it because you're not interested. Yeah, it's an engagement, and then you can use that, and then use that figure as. And then oh, they look, get we extrapolated. We hundred thousand engagements on that post. Oh, look! Everybody massages their figures, no doubt. Yeah. And 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 yep, that's the way of the world. But massaging them that much? Well, Ash Morrison's done a good a, a good a good blog post on it this week, and he intimates that it's a good financial deal for the FIH, um, and I, as I read it, was there's some money up front with this. Um, now, whether there is or not, I don't know, and um, w- whether um, it's another one of those partnership deals and it's it's about a shared revenue in the future if there's a success from it, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? Well, the one thing they've got going for them, I must admit, is now they've got lead-in time. Well, it's, apparently it's ready to go. As soon as international hockey restarts, well, and then it's ready to go. That's what I mean. If they reckon they're ready to go, now they can be bloody well testing it, making sure it is exactly what it well, should yeah, be. Well, yeah, have we got some beta testing going on with Maybe the, the, wide, the wider hockey world at the moment? Because they're talking about putting archive stuff on there. They're talking about uh, live scores, stats, replays, highlights, videos, archives. So we've got all of those archives there. The FIH, as we know, very um, very controlling on, on a lot of that. Well, it's there, ready to go. Get it up, and let's start trialling it now before 
we start trying to show international hockey on there and everybody gets pissed off because it, it, it breaks down halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, which was the history last time and you'd think yeah. that that would be something they would have talked about and said, we don't want this to happen again, yeah. please. Um, look, like we said when we first unveiled that particular Un- unva- proposal. Unveiled? Oh, Wow, wow, wow. So you're not even quick enough to get on. We need a producer. Yeah, we, do. we need a producer to and, press the sound effects buttons and, and, for us. And a couple of presenters. Yeah, that'd be yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, some presenters. <laughs> yeah. Um, attractive ones and a television camera. Yeah, interviewees. Okay, I know yeah. a skunk that'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have to wait and see because we've been sold, you know, led down this path before. I hope it works out. I hope it's great. I hope it's brilliant. Um, bearing in mind that what Nagra's so, Nagra is, uh, where is it written here about what their, their purpose is in life? Um, their purpose is Yeah, life. but I, you know, I think this is, this is a business they see themselves getting into because it's more about data collection than it is about them being a broadcaster, but we'll wait. And so providing, wait. providing content security and multi-screen user experience solutions for the monetization oh, that's of, the one. of that's digital it. media. So, okay, yeah. that, they're, they're straight up front about it, so that's, Nagra Kudowski, connecting people to the content they love. It's like a cloud. It's a couple of young kids looking at two different devices sitting next to each other. Oh, isn't that nice? Warm and fuzzy? Let's approach it with optimism, John, because... I'm excited, Matt! Quite frankly, we haven't got anything else. A bit more news, because there was one story that caught my eye well, I've, on the FIH website, man. I've, I've got this um, as um, as two things, social media fail of the week and social media highlight of the week. Oh, I must admit, when I saw this story on the news feed, I was absolutely thrilled. I think this is some of the finest headline writing I've seen from the FIH social media team. I reckon it could well have come out of uh, one of the... English-based scribes. Oh, did it? Oh no, I think there's probably oh, a very, a very good chance with that, okay. with that reference. Uh, and let me read this headline for you: "Carry on is McMahon's motto," referring, of course, to Australian defender Carry McMahon. That is gold. Carry on is McMahon's motto. Very nice. Nice, it bit, is nice little bit of business stuff. there. Um, they should be very proud of that. Uh, what they shouldn't be proud of, though, uh, Matt, oh, so is the athlete profile <laughs> underneath. Well, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> the article is a transcript of the interview of a video, and this video is on the FIH YouTube page. I saw it come up on Facebook as it was posted on there earlier on today. On the, uh, the little video cover image, we have... <laughs> We have a lightning, lightning McMahon, um, on a, a banner running diagonally almost across the pitch, uh, across the screen and, uh, and then a design in the background, a lightning K dot McMahon and, and then a little picture of Carrie there. Very nice Carrie. She was at our club for a year or two. The girls, the girls got on a signed singlet. Yeah, it's um, interesting that they decided to call her lightning McMahon considering that she's got her nickname. It's Carrie. <laughs> And uh, exactly where that light. So well, is that is that is that? I a didn't. Ca- I didn't think she looked uh, any lighter than she looked before. Man. No, that's right. And although she is uh, a paramedic, I believe, not necessarily um, in the maternity ward. Well, I was, is she pregnant? So, well, no, I doubt it. She's back in training at the moment, and there are strict pregnancy policies when you're okay. in, in, involved with the I just thought, you know, with the lightning going on. Yeah. Might, you know. Now, yes, interesting. Do, do you think it's? <laughs> Lightning is what they I wanted to write? I think that's what they meant to write, Matt. Okay. Yeah. 
There you go. Uh, do you, are you considering the fact that that might not be an English speaker who wrote that? Well, quite possibly, but was. I don't know. We're, maybe we're missing something totally obvious. And Lightning McMahon is a character. Lightning. is a character in Toy Story or like Thunder. <laughs> like lightning. <laughs> lightning. Lightning. Um. Yeah. Well, there you go. We just picked it up. Yeah, it yeah. was there. It but, was just looking at us, smack in the face. So two points. Two, help two points off for the lightning, unless we we've totally missed the point and we're stupid. And uh, a bonus two points for the headline. Well done. Do we get any points for for being stupid? Us? Yeah. Uh, if, 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 if it's a competition, it's points based. We you probably, know what I think probably we earn do, two every Matt. week. You know what I think we should do? What? Carry on. Boom, boom, here on the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Uh, look, yeah, we've got, we got other things to talk about. Yeah, do you want to do Matt's, mis- Matt's mystery file? Or Yeehard Constitution Corner? Um, we'll do Matt's mystery file, make it a quick one. We've got about uh, 12 minutes before I've uh, got to get out the door. Nice to be back recording in the daytime again. It is. August 1960, uh, 1963, the Hockey Circle. I have no idea what this is going to say here. Unusual junior move made by Rodney. The Rodney Sub-Association affiliated to Auckland Hockey Association may have ideas much along these lines, for they have established a junior management committee, a complete unit with its own chairman, secretary and selectors. They control their own competitions played in two grades, with six primary and four intermediate teams. Matches are umpired by intermediate boys, under 18, you'd like that, John, who attend yeah. lectures given by Len Wyatt, Cliff Grant and Alf Henderson. When they become competent, they are badged as junior umpires. Four players are selected from each primary school team for a course at a school of instruction on the first day of the May holidays under Len Wyatt, erstwhile Auckland star forward. On field day, all primary boys and girls teams are grouped in club pairs, for points and they dribble and weave around pegs etc they love it and play for hours while others are playing matches on the last saturday of the season seven aside games are played one section for girls and two for boys usually around 24 teams in all it's an occasion for presentation of the season's trophies and is well patronized by parents and friends both boys and girls also play two rep games a year all in all it seems that a lot of time is spent with these young people but in what a great cause. There you go. Well done, Rodney Hockey Association. Patronising, John, of course, you can support us and be one of our patrons. Go to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick to support our hockey podcast endeavours. Now, what corner are we going to now? It's Constitution Corner, Matt. Yeah! Yep. Um... What do you got? Well, I know what you got because once again, the studio is absolutely littered. I got paper, mate. With cri- I got paper. Crisp. White, freshly printed documents, all written with the FIH somewhere on them. Okay, where are we going? Well, this week, just quickly, let's quickly look at conflict of interest, Matt, Mm -hmm. because we it got mentioned in David Balburnie's podcast. Yes, when we got the interview we did with him, and and it's been something that's come up at different times about what. So what what is and what's not a conflict of interest? Well. So you at the moment in your hand the document is well I've got the FIH integrity code from effective April first two thousand and eighteen which as you mentioned was printed off last week so I'd, I'd assume it's they haven't put another one out so what was then. what was the date of it um, April first two thousand and eighteen okay that's fine 
Oh, I can't say anything. Just make a note of that. Yeah. Obligations on continental federations and national associations. Now, these are, these are quite extensive, so I'm not going to read it out as such. There's a couple of things I will have a quick look at. So there's obligate, the, the body's responsible for investigating and pursuing breaches is section B of something or other, something or other. Um, you, right, you, you, you don't mean the trousers. I know they're breaches, aren't they? Sorry, yeah, yeah, breaches. Uh, Section 4, the FIH Integrity Unit outlines what they do. Then there's Section 5, Obligations on Continental Federations and National Associations and uh, about ensuring transparency. And um, Article 6, Concurrent Responsibility. Then there's Obligations Applicable to All Covered Persons. So in addition to complying with all the applicable laws and regulations, each covered person must conduct himself honestly and fairly. A covered person must not knowingly give false information, etc., etc. That's general duties, point seven. Then there's bidding for events and the rules governing that. And anti-corruption rules, uh, section nine, or whatever you want to call it, manipulation of events, inside information. about benefit for oneself and bettings and all that sort of stuff. Then we get to uh, the specific obligations also owed by FIH officials. So there's a, what they call the duty of undivided loyalty, which is avoiding conflicts of interest. Now, the general principles of Section do we, 10... Do we have an oath or something that we have to no, take no, for no, that? I don't think so. I don't know, maybe you I, do. I pledge to the FIH my duty of yeah, undividing a, loyalty. In, in the basement, there's a room lined with black curtains and a yeah. little altar at one end. What do you think's above the altar? What are they? Oh, I don't know, but they... A deity they, of some sort? They wear these sort of covered hood things, and as you walk past, they whack you on the bum with a cricket handle, yeah. cricket bat. I it's, bet it's, a bit, it's a bit animal house. I bet it's something know. crafted from ivory in Pakistan in 1954 or something like that. That'd be older than that. Yeah, you reckon? It'd be something Egyptian. Okay, something. Well, no, that'd, be, that'd be the French connection then. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. Go on. Now, FIH officials owe a duty of undivided loyalty to the FIH. This means each FIH official must make decisions based solely on his good faith assessment of what is in the best interest of the FIH and the supporters of a whole in relation to the specific issue at hand. He must not consider or be influenced by any other factors, and he must not seek to advance any conflicting interests, such as, without limitation, the conflicting interests of a continental federation, national association, or similar body over his own personal conflicting interests. He, mu- he must be prepared to lay down his own life for the FIH if yeah, required. Look, and these things you'll find very often in lots of Yes, lots of course. Of yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, now, determining whether a conflict of interest exists, a conflict of interest is considered to exist whenever a reasonable person might think that the FIH official might be influenced to put his or any other person's personal or business interests before the interests of the FIH, Whenever a reasonable person might think that the FIH official would benefit directly or indirectly from information received by or a decision made by the executive board, any committee, panel or working group of the FIH or any other FIH body, and or where an FIH official has two separate and competing interests and it is unclear as to which interest he is acting for in a particular case. Mm. Um, now, there's Article 10.2. 2.3. The following non-exhaustive list shows common examples of conflict of interest. An FIH official has personal interests in business transactions or contracts that the FIH might enter into. 
and FIH official has an interest in other organisations that have dealings or relationships with the FIH and matters involving the interests of both the FIH and other organisations are being considered. And there's a list there, uh, any sponsorship income received, uh, any contracts for the sport for the provision of services or goods for profit. So all the things you'd expect to be in there when it comes to conflicts of interest. And... Of course, the thing about conflict of interest is... is, that, is that, That's for members, though, not necessarily for employees? No, that's uh, FIH official. Uh. That's employees. That's everybody that comes under... This is, this is the article, Duty of Undivided Loyalty, Avoiding Conflicts of Interest. FIH officials. Specific obligations owed by FIH officials. That's what that's headed under. Now... The thing is about conflict of interest is it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a conflict of interest. It doesn't mean bad, bad, straight up. Yeah, it said, ro- sorry, yeah, role of FOH official, director and director, candidates, committee ready? member, CEO, staff member. So well, that's, the, that's what's classed as an FOH official. Yeah. Um, so they're all lumped in there together. Um, but you have to make a declaration that you have that. If you keep it quiet, that's yeah. a bad thing. So, you know, you can be doing X and Y and doing a good job of it. But at the same time, that doesn't limit you to that, that conflict of interest just because you make the declaration of it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that's all good and we can live with that. Oh, you made the declaration, that's fine, carry on. Well, no, just, you can still very have... Much, very that. much depends what it is. If it's de- de- deliver, exactly deliver right. a, contact, a contract for 200,000 hockey sticks um, with a, a new member, then uh, you know, there may be some is- an issue. And, and you can, if, you, if you have a problem with that, uh, there's also relationships with betting organisations, Article 11, Article 12 deals with bribery, uh, offering, accepting gifts and hospitality and confidentiality, 13 and 14. Hospitality, what, like a free hotel room? Now, the enforcement. Um, and so enforcement is about blah, blah, investigation by the FIH integrity unit. So if you make a complaint about the FIH, yeah. guess who's going to investigate it? The FIH integrity unit. That's right. Yeah. Okay, just so we know that it's there. No, but it's, new indep- can... it's a new independent FIH integrity unit looking at all the big issues. I might, I might actually give them a call in a couple of weeks. Oh, have you yeah. got something to say about... Uh, who's Who's been texting you? <laughs> I've. Um, what did they say? Nobody's been texting me. I've done it all on my own, John. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you cut your little gadget arms out. Slunk them through the internet, didn't you? So much information on the oh, internet, John. So now, much information. There is one more bit too. Constitution Corner. On, I think I've done it differently every time I've said that. You can have to go um, Okay. You, you're big on the old electronic voting. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Article 11... Number three of the 2018 Elections Manual states, The budget for the Congress is set up by the FIH CEO and FIH office staff and in accordance with the agreement with the host. It is the intention of the FIH to undertake electronic voting whenever possible. A manual system will be put in place as backup. The FIH is responsible for defining the responsibilities, providing the content for the election process and signing the contract agreement with any electronic voting provider or provider of technical expertise and personnel. So you can vote online? Well, no, you can vote electronically. Ah, so that's a, that's a, a quiz show buzzer on the, on the table. Well, 
It could be. On the, uh, on the trestle table. I, I would have thought in the modern, in the modern era, you'd be using IP to do that. You'd be using some sort of network and everything would be networked. It wouldn't be running on electronic, on that sort of old school electronic buzzer. Well, it would all be digital. So I've heard, I've I would heard. imagine that that was easily transferable to a network that isn't all connected up in the same room. I believe that Bill Gates is actually working on something at the moment to implant chips for all FIH officials and uh, member nations direct into their brains. All you have to do is think the answer. Really? Yeah, so, you know, think think your response. Yeah. Uh, what would your answer be? You getting it? Yeah. You, what would your answer? Oh. So oh, I, I was transmitting that, it, you see. That's a good answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks. No, that, that is good. I don't think there's much chance of it happening, though. Why is that? Oh, not until he gets elected to the IOC. I'm giving you another answer right now. Oh, okay. Or to be revealed, or maybe, or maybe not. Uh, Thanks for joining us for episode 147 of the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Lots more hockey podcasts out there at the moment. John, check out a new one from the hockey podcast, Tyron, Jabu Barnard. Ash Morrison's on Tom Craig's The Help Side podcast this week. And uh, if you need a hockey book written... I bet he doesn't bloody mention me either. Probably not. Ah, jeez. Why would you? I wouldn't. Bye! Say yes.